Chapter Five of Wolfbane by Frederick Pohl and C. M. Cornbluth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Citizen Germain, as was his right by position and status as a connoisseur, helped prepare Citizen Boyne for his donation. There was nothing much to it, which made it an elaborate and lengthy task according to the ethic of the citizens. It had to be protracted, each step being surrounded by the fullest dress of ritual it was done in the broad daylight of the new sun and as many of the three hundred citizens of wheeling as could manage it would be there in the courtyard of the old federal building to watch the nature of the ceremony was this a man who revealed himself a wolf or who finally crumbled under the demands of life and ran amuck, could not be allowed to live he was hauled before an audience of his equals and permitted with the help of regretful force if that should be necessary but preferably not to make a donation of spinal fluid execution was murder and murder was not permitted under the gentle code of the citizens this was not execution the draining of a man's spinal fluid did not kill him it only ensured that after a time and with much suffering his internal chemistry would so arrange itself that it would continue to function only not in a way that would sustain life once the donation was made the problem was completely altered of course suffering was bad in itself to save the donor from the suffering that lay ahead it was the custom to have the oldest and gentlest citizen on hand stand by with a sharp-edged knife when the donation was complete the donor's head was removed purely to avert suffering that was not execution either but only the hastening of the inevitable end the dozen or so citizens whose rank permitted them to assist then dissolve the spinal fluids in water and ceremoniously sip them at which time it was proper to offer a small poem in commentary all in all it was a perfectly splendid opportunity for the purest form of meditation for everyone concerned citizen germain whose role was catheter bearer took his place behind the introducer bearer the annunciators and the questioner of purpose as he passed citizen boyne germain assisted him to assume the proper crouched over position boyne looked up gratefully and germain found the occasion correct for a commendatory half smile the questioner of purpose said solemnly to boyne it is your privilege to make a donation here today do you wish to do so i do said boyne raptly the anxiety had passed clearly he was confident of making a good donation germain approved with all his heart the annunciators in alternate stanzas announced the right pause for meditation to the meager crowd and all fell silent citizen germain began the process of blanking out his mind to ready himself for the great opportunity to appreciate what lay ahead a sound distracted him he glanced up irritably it seemed to be coming from the house of five regulations a man's voice carrying but no one else appeared to notice it all of the watchers all of those on the stone steps were in somber meditation germain tried to return his thoughts to where they belonged but something was troubling him he had caught a glimpse of the donor and there had been something something he angrily permitted himself to look up once more 
to see just what it had been about Citizen Boyne that had attracted his attention. Yes, there was something. Over the form of Citizen Boyne, silent, barely visible, a flicker of life and motion. Nothing tangible. It was as if the air itself were in motion. It was, Germain thought with a bursting heart, it was an eye. The veritable miracle of translation, and it was about to take place here and now, upon the person of Citizen Boyne, and no one knew it but Germain himself. In this last surmise, Citizen Germain was wrong, or was he? True, no other human eye saw the flawed glass thing that twisted in the air over Boyne's prostate body, but there was, in a sense, another witness, some thousands of miles away. The pyramid on Mount Everest stirred. It did not move, but something about it moved or changed or radiated. The pyramid surveyed its cabbage patch, wristwatch mine. As much sense, it may be, to say wristwatch patch or cabbage mine. At any rate, it surveyed what to it was a place where intricate mechanisms grew, ripened, and were dug up at the moment of usefulness whereupon they were quick-frozen and wired into circuits. Through signals perceptible to it, the pyramids had become aware that one of its mechanisms was now ready to be plucked, harvested. The pyramid's blood was dielectric fluid. Its limbs were electrostatic charges. Its philosophy was, unscrew it and push. Its motivation was survival. Survival today was not what survival once had been for a pyramid. Once, survival had merely been gliding along on a cushion of repellent charges, streaming electrons behind for the push, sending HF pulses out often enough to get a picture of their bounced return to integrate deep inside. If the picture showed something metabolizable, one metabolized it. One broke it down into molecules by lashing it with the surplus protons left over from the dispersed electrons, one absorbed the molecules. Sometimes the metabolized object was an immobile, sometimes a mobile, a vague, theoretical, frivolous classification to a philosophy whose basis was that everything unscrewed. If it was a mobile, one sometimes had to move after it. That was the difference. The essential was survival, not making idle distinctions and one small part of survival today was the Everest Pyramid's job. It sat and waited. It sent out its HF pulses, bouncing and scattering, and it bounced and scattered them additionally on their return. Deep inside, the more than anthropomorphically distorted picture was reintegrated. Deeper inside, it was interpreted and evaluated for its part in survival there was a need for certain mechanisms which grew on this planet. At irregular times, the pyramid evaluated the picture to the effect that a mechanism, a wristwatch, so to speak, was ripe for plucking, and by electrostatic charges, it did so. The electrostatic charges, in forming, produced what the humans called an eye. But the pyramid had no use for names. It merely plucked when the mechanism was ripe. It had found that a mechanism was ripe now. A world away before the steps of Wheeling's Federal Building, 
electrostatic charges gathered above the component whose name was Citizen Boyne. There was a small sound, like the clapping of two hands, which made the three hundred citizens of Wheeling jerk upright out of their meditations. The sound was air filling the gap that had once been occupied by Citizen Boyne, who had instantly vanished, who had, in a word, been ripe, and therefore been plucked. The end of chapter 5 of Wolfbane